another episode of your favorite show because you tuned in today to listen to the best of the best of the best. Uh, guys, we're always trying to find different ways and opportunities to make this show interesting. I know we focus obviously a lot on finances, uh, wealth, investing, but we get a lot of feedback and a lot of questions to diversify and look at different types of real estate because a lot of people think of an investment in real estate as a personal investment as well. And so we have an expert coming on the show today. Her name is Tammy Rose. I've known Tammy since, honestly, I think since she started in real estate back in 2015 or 2016. I met her early on and uh, her attitude is infectious. She is a great person through and through, and she knows what she's talking about. And I'm so excited to have her come on the show today to share with you guys a whole whack load of stuff about buying an acreage, a farmland, a large piece of land, and just all the things that you need to look out for. I think you'll probably be surprised by some of the things that she says and said, and we were soaking it all in. So again, as always, the show is brought to you by Thrive Mortgage Co. Three partners here focused on creating wealth for our clients and our families for life. You guys are with us for life. You're stuck with us if you're working with us. So hey, as always, I am here to share with you guys the most recent five-star review. And the cool thing is if you give us a five-star review and then you send us a screenshot with your information and letting us know that it's you, we will send you a beautiful Thrive mug. We've got some new colors. We've got some new designs coming along with a delicious coffee. If you're loving the show, please tag us on Instagram, share us out. That is the best way to give us some love aside from the five-star reviews, of course. So today's review is from, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, I wish I discovered this podcast sooner. Such an informative podcast. I wish I discovered it. Um, I'm clueless when it comes to everything related to investments and real estate, but this podcast has been a game changer. You've chosen such relevant topics and have made something so difficult. Uh, and dry to digest, fun and relatable. Thanks for doing what you do. Look forward to more content. Thank you so much for that awesome review. And I really appreciate the enthusiasm behind it. So there is a mug and coffee coming your way. In any case, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. It was a fun one. We'll talk to you soon after the show. Take care. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Thanks for joining us. We are going to talk all about uh, acreages. It's a topic that a lot of people probably want to know something about, and it's mysterious to a lot of people, except for you, of course. Mm -hmm. okay. So I'm pumped to have you come down and talk about it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me on. Cool. Okay. Um, so when you started in real estate right off the bat, did you right away say, I want to I want to sell farms or acreages or these types of properties? Or was it just like a, did you just get into it somehow? I've always wanted to focus on farms and acreages. That's something I've always been really comfortable with. Um, however, there is that learning curve when you get into real estate and you're just like, well, I also need to show that I can do real estate and, you know, test the waters because not everybody's going to hire you to sell a multi-million dollar acreage or property right off the bat. So, um, yeah, I just focused on residential, getting, you know, dipping your toes in the water, getting into that. And then I uh, really wanted to make sure I didn't get pigeonholed into only being a farm realtor because um, I do like helping like first time home buyers and other, other types of clients too. So I just, um, I just kind of gradually evolved into this farm type brand and um you know my social just kind of reflects that as you guys see and yeah just kind of became what it is now awesome well to your point about 
working, you like to work with first time buyers and other types of people and doing residential property. I think that's a fair thing to say, not even just from a starting point, just because from your personality, obviously, I know you like to get along with people pretty easily or easygoing, um, which makes most people- Most of the time anyways. <laughs> most of the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. except when you're in the farm. Uh, but aside from that, I think realistically speaking, um, most people generally gravitate towards you. So it made it really easy probably to start up with that. But to the idea of like not being quote unquote pigeonholed, I think just knowing you um, and the way that you, you've operated, you really like to know your stuff. And so um, I know how many years you've been spending time like doing research and learning and, you know, testing the waters and trying different things. So it's kind of neat to to see where you've come, you know, five or six years in because you're not only really good at the residential side and taking care of the people side. But now when you match that up with the acreage side, I think you've kind of got the best of both worlds, just in my experience, because I don't know what your feedback is, Dean, here. But typically when I think of uh, acreage realtor or uh, or farm realtor, they're either a super rough around the edges <laughs> I mean, like yeah. super rough around the edges and they have no business acumen at all. Yeah. And so they have a hard time running a business or the, the exact opposite and they're super stuck up. And so I feel like you've done a good job of blending two to get the two together. And so I think you're going to just continue to crush it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point, especially that you still focus on the bread and butter, the townhomes, the, the regular single family homes. I would imagine that a lot of buyer or sorry, sellers that have had an acreage all their life getting older. They need to go somewhere else at some point in time so you can facilitate both of those those transactions right yeah where would you say like what drove you towards just focusing on farms focusing on acreages outside of just the fact that you lived on one all your life was there something else that just drove you to continue to like have that passion to want to sell those properties so i think it's kind of the same with any you know self-employed individual you want to find what gets you excited um so Anytime I walk on acreage, anytime I'm walking around a farm, I'm just into it. I love explaining farms. Uh, a big part about selling farms is actually showing people how to live on acreage, uh, giving them little tips about living on acreage. And I mean, you can just kind of pull that from your own personal experience. So it was pretty much like a no brainer for me to really focus on farms and Cool. Yeah. There's something to be said about like actually enjoying what you're doing. So that makes yeah. a lot of sense. That's yeah. awesome. I get very excited if I get to bring my muck boots out and go in the rain and, <laughs> and slop through a field versus, you know. Yeah. I don't know how many times you've told me where you're <laughs> yeah. showing, uh, you're showing like an acreage or a lot or something like that. And you have a realtor show up with their fancy car and their, and their like high heels or, or like dress shoes. And you're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I think we've even like discussed mortgages while I'm on a horse before. You're like, what's that noise? I'm like, oh, that's a, I'm, I'm, riding I'm on a horse. horse. That's a, that's a, <laughs> Footprint there. That's awesome. Um, so like getting into getting into like there's a couple things that we want to talk about. We had some questions from some people in asking what they want to know about the acreages. And and I think one of the biggest things is is well, there's a lot of things. So is really just understanding first and foremost, like what do you even look for from a pricing perspective? Like if someone's looking to um purchase a farm, where do you even start? Like, or not farm, I should say. Let's go back. Sorry, acreages in general. Like where do you even start in that conversation? So I think the main question that you need to ask um, yourself if you're looking for acreage or if you have a client looking for acreage is going to be what is their intended use of that property? So that right there is going to be the main, like the pivotal starting point for you. And then from there, you're going to branch out to like the zoning. If there's anything on the property that could um, impact, like we were speaking about earlier, like potentially like creeks, anything like that with setbacks, um, just anything else about the property, unless you know the intended use for it, it's really hard to advise somebody correctly on it. Fair enough. 
Yeah, yeah that's a good point. There's a lot there. As, yeah. And even yeah, just, you mentioned a farm acreage, like even just that alone is such a big difference, right? Like, what would you say? I know that's a loaded question, but like <laughs> yeah. a farm versus an acreage, mm -hmm. what would be the biggest, what would be the key difference to, to that? Like, I guess you, how would you sum that up in one sentence? <laughs> Man, I guess acreages typically you're not having you're doing it for like your own personal use kind of right. thing right okay. uh farms you kind of there's like that borderline you go acreage and then you go hobby farm and you can still hobby farm and acreage can be used kind of interchangeably for the most part up to you know certain size um but again they're all so different so you you could call one an acreage you call another one a farm typically it's like animals or crops um some potential use on it is going to differentiate the two though so like a farm is almost a business in a way you're, you're essentially running a business on the property whether it's crops or you know raising animals or what have you right yeah and it, it could be i mean there's two types of i guess farms out there so there's just your your typical farm status um so you know you get a certain amount of money from your farm per year and that helps you out from like a, a taxes standpoint so you're not really making an income to be completely honest you right. don't really make any money from doing that but you do save on your taxes versus if you're a bona fide farmer that is like whole other ball game and that's when you do use it as a business okay okay so so jumping into just generally speaking like looking mm -hmm. for these properties like you've got like again we've got some slides that you were sharing with us before about what to look for so it's a good mm -hmm. reference point here but like realistically speaking like when you're going out there and you're kind of looking at these properties you noted uh like just drinking water you noted uh the sewer mm -hmm. and septic and things like that again like for a typical residential property you're not really thinking about these things you've noted the ground like what are some different things like why don't we start off generally speaking like with mm -hmm. the ground and the land and area and so forth like where where do you start to look at this and and where, where does that impact i guess uh, a buyer looking at these properties like specifically speaking so just the land itself like what are we looking for so the land itself i mean First things first, again, it goes based on your usage, um, but, you know, like type of soil that you need on the property, if it's a gravel base, if it's a clay base underneath, the two, those two differences are going to be pretty substantial when you're using the property. Um, just for example, we ended up getting um, from, I think it was the owners before us on our farm, they put some clay-based fill under certain areas on the property. Those areas, like, no matter what we do, we cannot fix the drainage on them. They're always wet. They're always mucky. Um, versus if you have like the proper gravel fill in certain areas, they're a lot easier to maintain, easier to fix. Um, so if you do have a, a high use area, um, high use traffic area, having the gravel base is going to be huge as far as that goes. Um, you mentioned like for drinking water and stuff. You want yeah, to yeah. I mean, you had okay. talked a little bit about well water versus mm -hmm. you know some other types of water. Like again, something that you don't think about as a typical home in a city. Mm -hmm. So like, what are we looking for there? Yeah. So some acreages do have city water, so that's considered a bonus for for people looking. So that is going to make the cost of your property typically go up um, as far as value goes. But um, the majority of acreages, though, are going to be on a well. So there's different types of wells even within that. So that is a good question to be asking the original owners of it or the current owners. So you've got drilled well, shallow well, as well as cisterns. So often when there's a shallow well on a property, there will also be a backup cistern just in case the needs can't be met by that initial well. Mm. So if they do mention that there's a shallow well on the property, a backup question would be like, okay, great. Is there a cistern just in case your water levels get low? Hmm. Um, another thing about, I mean, like water quality is 
and again, a lot of people don't really realize this and it's kind of fun to go through because, you know, seeing people's faces. I mean, did you know certain areas have arsenic in the water? And you just see people's faces like, oh my gosh, like arsenic. And I'm like, well, it's not actually like that, that intense, like it's okay. But the majority of acreages do have a water filtration system. Right. So based on what they find in the water samples, they have different systems to treat that. That's a really good point. I bought a home on property and I had a high level of arsenic in my water <laughs> and I didn't test it when I bought the home. And you turn your shower on and it r smells like almost like a copper, like it's a weird, really weird smell. Like it's almost like a musky old smell. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not yeah. right. So that's a really good point. And we have, we have a filtration system on our main house, but we don't have one going out to our barn. So our barn water does not look as clean, even though it tests completely fine for like the animals to be drinking it, but it has a slight sulfur smell to it but only like summertime kind of thing, right? It just like randomly has kind of a bit of a sulfur smell. Right, that's what I meant to say, yeah. The sulfur, sulfur one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the main house, um, for my my specific area, it tests for manganese. Interesting. Manganese and iron. Interesting. So, you know, you'll go into a lot of acreages and be like, oh, like the toilets are really dirty and it's it's actually just hard water. Huh. So. It, it is hard on your, like, if you don't actually have a filtration system, it is quite hard on your faucets and everything else. It turned me into a strawberry blonde for a couple of years <laughs> until we got the right, the right uh, filtration system. Wow. It was a running joke. Everybody called me a redhead and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I swear I'm blonde. How much money I paid at salons to get it fixed every single time. So, so it's definitely good to know. <laughs> so if you want to change your yeah. hair color, good idea. Yeah. If you don't, uh, get your water checked out. So, yeah, like, so exactly. one of the things that uh, you've talked about in the past is, um, you know, some different types of people look to invest in acreages mm -hmm. or farms, but there's a different type of consideration in these types of properties. And um, I mean, I guess just starting off, just having a look through what you've noted here in the file is that if for some people buying a farm, it, it, there's a situation where they're not necessarily, it's not about cash flow or investment from that standpoint i think a lot mm -hmm. of these people are looking to buy the land per se more so and hold it for a long time um but you also noted that a lot of these people will actually take less than for example like typical market rent yeah so why would they do that and what does that look like from an investing standpoint so when you're looking at um, like a larger acreage and there's you know renters on the property typically of, of course, it's not the same all across the board, but a lot of acreages charge less as far as rent goes for help around the property. So it is a way for renters to live on a little bit of property and get that, that country vibe, but still help out the, the landowners. That makes sense. I mean, it's not an easy job maintaining oh, no. that property. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you know that. Maybe you could just like, what is that like? Like maintenance on a big property like this? Maintenance like on a farm. Wow. Um, it depends on the season. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, wintertime, I mean, if it snows, you know, I'm sitting on a tractor for a few hours clearing snow just so we can get wheelbarrows into the animals to clean the animals' pens out. Um, if the pipes freeze you've got to deal with like burst pipes and getting water out to the animals. So we're very fortunate. We have a generator on our property. Um, so that, that is a big, I definitely recommend doing that if you live on property. Oh, for sure. So we've actually had neighbors call us and be like, Hey, can, can we borrow some or not borrow, but like come and pick up some water because you know, either the power goes out and the well's not working or you know the pipes froze anything like that that's such a good point about the generator because when the power goes out like you don't just lose power you lose water because you're on a oh, well yeah. so now you have no water and mm -hmm. the power doesn't come back on as quick out there no it doesn't <laughs> like they no. focus on those high density areas and like we're out for power for days 
literally yeah, yeah i, not, grew, I grew up without having a generator and i was like if you see the trees starting to like blow a bit i was like okay everybody grab a bucket fill up the tub yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that you've got like water <laughs> to flush the toilet yeah. you know put world? everything you can into the freezer and like totally. keep it shut as long as you can yeah <laughs> i remember Which, i remember my neighbor saying like <laughs> yeah make sure there's always water in your tub full of water i'm like what <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> who are these people okay yeah. let's get back on track with the investment piece so like mm-hmm. why like I guess let's talk about that just in general. Like why the heck mm-hmm. are the people looking to buy these acreages or land? Like what is the investment potential? Like what are the different ways that you can make money from an investment standpoint buying these properties? I mean, in your, like what you've seen. Um, for what I've seen, it, the majority of people buying a larger piece of land, it's, it's a passion thing. It's something they've always wanted to do. Um, and they just really want to get on there for them, for their future family, especially with the prices going how they are. Uh, the people that are buying the acreages right now are in a really good position to set their family up for the families up for the future, uh, versus using it as like a shorter term investment. Like if you're going for like a condo and and quick rental income like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, we, we talked before this, sh- uh, before we've been recording here about mm-hmm. like development uh, areas and, and what to look for and so forth. So like, um, I don't know if you're involved in this at all, but have you ever been working with people that are looking to buy like a large piece of land for the purpose of future development? Is that a consideration that you've looked at or helped out with or seen? It is. I've had a few conversations with clients for that. Um, typically I think I attract more of like the hobby farmer Let's build a dream together, people. Um, those are my people. <laughs> we, we get along really well together. Um, but I have I have um, advised other clients on okay. larger pieces of land. Uh, I will say a main thing. ALR, if you if there's something that's in ALR, it's very, very challenging to get it out of ALR. Um, the guidelines are extremely strict. I've personally sp- spoken with um, even just the township about subdividing. And even though it looks like you can, um, because you might be surrounded by smaller properties, they're extremely strict. And a lot of the smaller properties in ALR were done prior to their rule change. Hmm. So like myself, we're on just shy of 10 acres. We're surrounded by four acre properties and there's no way they will let us. That's a good point. Even though we have two road frontages, everything is like, it's like long, it would be set up perfectly. There's just, it's a no go. Hmm. That's really interesting. So like definitely something, is that something that you would talk to someone about before they went in? Yeah. Uh, on the totally. property. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge thing too. If you have multi-families looking or multi-generations looking to purchase together, um, especially with ALR, uh, if you look, you could look on, let's just say Langley, for example, right? So you look on township of Langley based on the zoning, you're like, oh, I can put this many houses on this property, but you need to be aware that the ALR or ALC, they have jurisdiction over the township. So they're the ones that are like, no, you can't actually do a secondary dwelling. They're going to be the ones that you need to double check on. Don't just check with your township or city. Super, super interesting. I was just going to ask like pooled resources, like two families, you know, or three families coming together, putting their resources together to buy, to essentially live on the property itself. But yeah, it's a good point. You need to like really know what you can do on that property. Yeah. And we, that's what we had done with ours. Um, it is a family farm, but fortunately we were able to do that before they changed the restrictions. Mm. So if we were to sell our property now, the new owners would have different guidelines. Do you see, do you see clients still in that type of structure where you got two families, three families coming together and instead of going with multiple homes, maybe just going with a larger home and multiple like suites as an example, is that something that's common um you're seeing more of it now okay um i think a fair amount of people purchase their property hoping and thinking that they could build multiple dwellings um even when i'm selling acreages i have people still coming up now and they're like yep 
I'm going to build this and I'm going to build this. And I was like, I'm sorry to tell you, you, you can't, like, it's yeah. not an option anymore. Um, and the, some of the things, I mean, a coach house for me, you know, you wouldn't even think off the top of your head, like a coach house, that's not a secondary dwelling. Yes. Yeah. Well, of course <laughs> you guys would think that, right? Cause <laughs> you deal with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, a lot of people going into it just think, oh no, I'm just talking, um, like a mobile or a modular or a detached, it also includes like, you know, a suite uh, yeah. above a barn yeah. or a suite above a right. shop. Yeah. So. And it's something that we get, uh, I, I see this all the time. Like I had a client yesterday and he's like, well, I'm going to go buy ALR because I can go build multiple you know, dwellings and I can run my businesses on it and yeah. a number of things. I can. You may want to talk to a few people ahead of time first to, to before you go forward with that decision. So that's an interesting um, really good conversational piece. Yeah. And, and you mentioned like 10 acres, your property's 10 acres. What would you say the average sized acreage would be in like the Fraser Valley that you're commonly seeing that like, is it, is there a common size or is it pretty kind of all over the map? It, it's honestly all over the map. Um, I would say the larger properties have been in general, like families for generations. Right. So you're not seeing them come up as frequently. Um, this year though, there are more larger properties coming onto the market than we've seen the last little while. So I think, you know, we, we find fairly often that people that do an acreage hold on to it a lot longer than maybe they should have physically. Mm, um, and then fair. they get to a point where they're like, Oh no, no, yeah. I know I need to sell this large farm. Right, um, right. so we're kind of running into that, but, um, is that impacting the price points at which people are selling right now? Or are they selling for less than they might otherwise, or are you just seeing more people are listing because they have to get out of that financial you know, situation? No, I don't think it's so much a financial. I think most of the larger ones have been paid off. Like, you know, they, they bought it for pennies, like in today's yeah. you know, market. It's just the labor, I would assume. It's just, it costs, it, it costs so much to maintain them like right. hydro bills. Right. Just the work to maintain it. If your fence goes down in a windstorm, I mean, just paying to fix that or doing the work yourself, which yeah. a lot of them are used to doing. So. so which actually brings me up to my next point. I was going to ask you about like, what are the ways to benefit financially from an acreage? And I mean, I had some, some notes that I made here, but you could probably add to it. I had the you know, horse boarding or, or animals and, and maybe there's some rental income or leasing. Like, what do you usually see there? Um, it depends, depends on who's buying it. So I've had people want to make, you know, a, like a, an herb farm on their property. Okay. And I was like, okay, that is one I didn't really consider. Like, I didn't think there was that big of a, a return on that. Yeah. Um, for a while their garlic farming was really big. Um, but I mean, with any crops too, you're, you're juggling the environment with it. So right. people I find are going to more, I don't know. Predictable. Predictable yeah. ways of doing it. Um, you know, like obviously Do you, do you these, see like subleasing of space or just like animals? Yeah. I mean, you can also sublease to a bona fide farmer and that'll help you get your farm status if you live on it. Um, but again, you're not really making a ton of money by doing that. You're just putting your land to use. Mm. I always thought from like, like just thinking of your typical rental flip, Mm -hmm. single family home. Like I always thought of an acreage, like you mentioned, you know, poor ground conditions with, you know, clay base. Like, is there, do you see value in somebody buying like a rundown farm and, you know, putting some, ex like if they're, Hey, they have experience with excavation and just heavy equipment coming in and fixing like ground issues and just general repair and then flipping it. Like, is that something that people look at for an investment? hundred percent. If you have somebody who has the connections, um, and the ability within that industry, that is a really good way to flip a property is improve your, your ground quality. Uh, 
a lot of people buying acreages want to put their own touches on the house anyways, and the ground and the outbuildings are going to be more important to them. Um, of course, with smaller acreages, so if you're looking at like one to two acres, it, it swaps around again. So, you know, like a one acre, like a half acre, one acre, two acre, you still have the majority of people looking for the house and then the acreage is kind of like a bonus. Right. It's like yeah, extra space. But anything over two acres, if you can put money into like maintaining like the fences and, you know, the footing and everything. You're, and not that that's good. a cheap, like I know like it's excavation. Not cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. It's not cheap. But somebody yeah. that is in that type of an industry mm-hmm. that runs their own heavy equipment company, like that could be an option, right? It could, cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it makes like I, there's just so many considerations, and it just kind of continues to make me think about just the importance of working with somebody who knows this stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, um, just having a quick note on some of the things that we haven't even touched on yet to look out for. Um, you had talked about neighbors briefly in this call. Oh yes, yes, neighbors. So <laughs> it's a good one to bring up. Thank you. And I'm not just talking about your human neighbors, of course. Um, if you see a big structure next door down the road double check it might be a turkey farm or a mushroom barn um they can emit quite the lovely smell especially in the middle of summer so you know your beautiful patio that you're buying um, with a hot tub might not be as enjoyable um in the warmer seasons so things like that are really good to just know the area and just know what you're getting into. That's a really good advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what about like, uh, uh, you, so you mentioned grandfathered buildings. Is mm-hmm. the, you were referring, I think, primarily to if you have multiple buildings on the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are selling a property or looking to purchase a property, some of the buildings may have been grandfathered in. So this you'll often find this if there's like a smaller heritage house on the property and then a larger new build or newer build. Just want to double check and see what the requirements are on that um because chances are it's operating totally fine how it is right now however if you take it over it's then an unauthorized or an illegal suite yeah um so as you guys know there's different ways to handle that going going forward i'm just laughing right now because i'm reading some of your notes here and it says uh you're talking about best practices when you're actually out there looking at properties so for anyone listening to this if it was your goal and we we do talk to people all the time who want to buy what they call an acreage maybe it's just a larger lot and and so forth and there's little things in here like uh if you hear a clicking noise (laughs) (laughs) yeah have you had an experience there uh yeah yeah it's um it's funny from my standpoint but um probably not so much for the person who didn't realize it was an electric fence so you know if you do hear clicking um you know don't touch the fence take a look Uh, a lot of electric fence is uh like a, a gray metal yeah and you don't actually see it people don't want unsightly electric fences so they try to get things that blend in so pretty much there is a safety barrier for the animals to help them from causing mischief and wreck your fences. It can hurt. So <laughs> especially if you're looking in like a cow barn or something like oh, that, the, the voltage is up a little bit for you. I, yeah. So honestly, like just listening to you talk right here about it, like, you know, when we asked you to come on the show, you're a little bit nervous. So I can say we're sure it's not something that, you know, you do every single day. And, and I think like just having you come on and listen and talk for like the last 30 minutes already, I think the first thing I'll say is, you know, your shit. So like, you know what you're talking about asking every single question. Like if anybody's listening to the podcast, like we got, we got a list of questions here because we're learning a lot about the farmland and the ALR at the same time and acreages and so forth, but you can't see these answers here, these questions and, no. and you're just yeah. kind of slide them off. I think Uh, The biggest thing, uh, my biggest takeaway right off the bat is the same as I would have said to anybody in any space is to work with somebody that knows their stuff Mm -hmm. in whatever it is. Like, obviously, our focus is more 
finances and, and so yeah. forth. And, and this isn't something we practice all day long, but I think a huge mistake, just, just to talk frankly from a lot of people that we, we meet who are working with, um, you know, representative, a real estate agent or anything for that matter is mm-hmm. they just kind of work often with a very much a generalist. Yeah. Um, and that seems to me to be, especially when it comes to something so focused straight like this, they should be working with somebody who's a really knows their stuff about acreages. Like, so just out of curiosity, I don't want you to throw, you're not going to give any names. I know you wouldn't do this anyways, but like, have you seen, uh, or have you experienced situations where, um, maybe you heard about a buyer who bought an acreage or a farm and then you talk to them afterwards where they like just should never have bought in this property or yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You do hear about it. Okay. Anything to share <laughs> with us so we can kind of buyers beware to people. Um, I would just say like any, like any profession, just Make sure you do your research on who you work with. Um, find somebody who, if they don't know the information, it's not the end of the world, but find somebody who's going to go that extra mile and find that information out for you um, and really dig into what you're wanting to do, like what your desired outcome is. So, yeah, I mean, it takes all types. Um, you know, I think we've all gotten into situations we weren't super happy with. Um, acreages, there's a lot of money, a lot of time um, that you're putting on the line by doing that. Yeah. So it is, it is really important. Yeah. Do your homework. For sure. One, one thing I want to touch on today before we end this show is the, it's just a financing perspective because we, being in the Valley, we do see a lot of clients looking to buy an acreage with not really understanding like how much money you need down and how the appraisal is going to work. Like a lot of banks don't like farms that are actually being farmed because the foreclosure process is completely different. Or even hobby farms too. Exactly. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of challenges there when it comes to financing. And also it's not your typical 5% down scenario. It's not even your typical 20% down scenario in most cases. So just the financing perspective is so important to understand what you're getting into and having that bandwidth to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where you guys come in, right? So totally. you guys are my go-to guys for this <laughs> before we go shopping, you know, definitely talk to your broker. Yeah. I would say to, to echo Dean's point on that as well, there's a lot of people I talk to just financially doesn't make any sense, not including the upkeep of the property. Like you just, yeah. So just know your stuff before you get into it. And, and I think the biggest, you know, takeaway from this piece as well, in addition to like working with someone's an expert is, it's just like anything that becomes a little bit more complex. Like we talk about construction financing and other types of unique financing, shit's going to go wrong. Shit's going to go sideways. There's things that you're not going to expect that's going to happen and nobody's going to know the answers to every single thing. Uh, but it's about aligning yourselves with the people. So, Hey, if you're a real estate agent, and you're listening to this episode, as you probably figured out, there's a lot of stuff that you do not know. Probably you should probably send it over to Tammy. I'm sure she'll take care of your clients like incredibly well and fill you in on the the process as you work your way through it. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Tammy? Something you do? Yeah, I'm here as a resource. So if anybody has questions, just take your hands off the wheel and send them to Tammy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that I mean, too. I'm here. We haven't even touched on half of this slot like there's so yeah. much here yeah. we could go on and on and on so i would totally love to have you back and go into more depth here and like to your point if anyone has questions like reach out yeah yeah so if you want to find out more about uh uh farms acreages if you have a farm or an acreage that you want to let go of uh reach out to us so we can put you in touch with uh the best of the best and uh we'll get y'all hooked up if you enjoyed the episode today make sure to just follow share post like and uh tammy yeah. where can we find you on instagram Oh, Tammy Rose Realtor. That's yep. my Instagram. Cool. And then same thing on good old Facebook. Awesome. All right. So find Tammy on <laughs> no. Facebook, Instagram. We'll post up the links. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. It was great. Cool. Thank you.